0: Brock Purdy and many other 49ers back for the beginning of phase one offseason program begins in Santa Clara for the 49ers. Some interesting comments about his recovery from Brock Purdy. What to look into those and what about this tight end need? Why are 49ers scouting so many tight ends for the 2023 NFL draft coming up on this episode of Locked on 49ers? You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Recording our second podcast of the day, we didn't get the late Sunday one in because I was busy, Croc, hosting. The ultimate mock draft, the locked on network mock draft special, which is coming Thursday this week. And all the recording has been done now that is uh, in the hands of the editors. And um, it's an extravaganza, always super fun. Croc involved making the 49ers pick. Uh, I'm hosting along with Matt Williamson, Keith of the locked on. NFL draft crew, so it was a whole bunch of fun. Everybody from the network, all the NFL side of the network, all the college side of the network gets involved, as they do every year, and it always gets bigger and better every single year, so looking forward to that coming up.
1: And and Ross Jackson, who, you know, he's kind of uh, the point guard throughout all this, sounds really excited. He sounds really hyped. He's doing a lot of editing right now, and he's like, man, I am blown away by the quality of this. So, I mean, Locked On Network, It's very interesting because it's not. I mean, there are some kind of people that are like, you know, bigger names or whatnot, but it's local scouts and I'm in or local talents. And I'm surprised more people don't try to steal this format because who knows more about the teams than people that are right there involved in it, right? Like, this isn't us listening to Adam Schefter talk about everything in particular about the 49ers. You know, this is uh, some legit knowledge on, I mean, not just all the NFL teams, but NFL, NBA, NBA, MLB. Uh, they got, you know, HBCU sports, they got SEC network, they got college, they got, I mean, there's everything. And it's truly amazing. And I'm just uh, happy and blessed to be a part of such a great uh, just platform, man. It's, it's amazing. And this draft show is going to be really big.
0: Yeah. It's really cool to see all of them. And it was fun going through that and hosting the thing again with Matt Williamson and, um, and, and seeing all the talent, seeing all the picks and having fun and seeing everybody react to the picks. And uh, you're really going to want to tune into this mock draft. It's, it's really a cool event that we do every single year. And, yeah, my, so many people listen to – I remember a couple of years ago, Doris Burke, NBA, right? She covers the NBA and uh, is one of the broadcasters and, and one of the best in the biz. And she's like, every time I'm getting ready to go cover a new game, I tune into the those teams' locked-on shows. And, and learn about the teams it is awesome. Uh Kay Adams recently uh, was talking about that as well to, uh, to one of our hosts. So uh, it's, it's really cool. And the names out there and people know that when they want the best local coverage, they come to the lockdown podcast network. And so that's yeah. why we're here Croc. And what's going on with the 49ers getting back at it. Phase one off season program begins. Uh, we got to start though, with the quote that I think crocks probably being blown out of proportion, taking out of context a little bit from Brock Purdy, who was asked about his recovery from the, uh, the the UCL surgery and asked about if he could miss the season, and his quote was something that might scare some 49ers fans. And I, I just I don't know if him saying that he's not sure exactly if he's going to miss the season or not was uh, it was more like okay. This is what I think is going to happen, Croc. I think Brock Purdy is going to be asked about it again because of that vagueness. And he's going to be like, well, you said you might not even play this season. And he's going to be like, no, i just say that I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And that's one of the possibilities that could happen. Is you know, somewhat of a I don't know who's going to be alive Sunday, shanahan quote. Maybe that's why Shanahan likes Brock Purdy so much because they think the same.
1: Right. That's like for a long time, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. They kind of the way they communicated everything in the public was like very kind of similar with the same cadence Uh, as it pertains to brock Purdy. i do think it's very kyle shan shanahan like where shanahan i think a lot of people think that shanahan is lying when he says things in the in the press conferences i don't think so i now look i could be giving him just the benefit of the doubt and maybe i'm naive but he seems very upfront with a lot of things and when he doesn't want to tell you something he says something along the lines of i don't know if we'll be alive tomorrow or he'll give you a a very a-hole type answer that's very clear that he doesn't want to answer that question or, you know, he'll try to spin it on you. But for the most part, he's very upfront with everything, uh, with their handling of players, with Brandon I. Oh, yeah, Brandon I he wouldn't have played the previous year if we would have been healthier at receiver. Like, they're very open about their entire process of everything and sometimes maybe too open, especially with John Lynch as well. Uh, so when he talks about injuries, what does he do? He's When Kyle was talking about injuries, People think that he's like lying about things, and I don't think so. I think he's just telling you the information that he's been given. So a lot of times coaches will get a either a report from their training staff or the doctors, and hey, what's going on with such and such? Oh, this is what's going on, these are the things that we can do, etc. Not sure the timetable, or maybe he'll be back tomorrow, and then they'll you know they'll monitor it and see. And then he comes to the media. Media asks, Hey, what's going on with such and such? And he just says what the doctor says. And that could change, right? Like, those are things that's kind of a little bit more of a fluid situation. People think that he's lying. I don't think so. So as it pertains to Brock Purdy, bring it back full circle. Brock Purdy is probably answering this the way that he's been told, where, hey, everything looks like it's on schedule, looks like you're healing fine, you can go ahead and take the brace off, you know, looks like good. But hey, if there's a setback, maybe there's a chance that you have to miss the rest of the year. We don't foresee that happening. And maybe he's just repeating what they're saying, but left out maybe some of the context.
0: and whenever whenever a doctor also is talking to you about things, they're not going to give you just the best, the best possible prognosis, and not talk about. And a lot of times, what they do is give you the worst because they don't. Want, they want you to know what that could also be as well. And it's funny because when you hear Kyle talk about it after John Lynch talked about it, and then you know, I think it also just highlights how you we're not really sure what this is going to look like. Not a lot of players have had this this injury and so it could be quick could take a little bit longer could miss no games could miss a couple games who knows you know maybe things don't go great could miss the whole season we don't know yet and uh, as far as his rehab so far Purdy did say that quote just working on some simple things like range of motion slowly integrating things to get some strength back but for the most part everything is going as planned and every week I feel like I'm getting better and he also said he's been shooting texts back and forth with with uh, Trey Lance, who's also coming off of his own injury and uh, is going to be at the facility and uh, with the rest of the guys as things get going here in uh, in the first phase of the 49ers offseason. And 49ers actually adding a wide receiver too, uh, Chris Conley, to the mix. So adding another veteran wide receiver, adding Kerry Hyder back to the team as well. So the 49ers getting a little, getting their ducks in a row a little bit here before the NFL draft starts.
1: Chris Conley, big receiver that can stretch the field in his prime. Like, am I saying his prime? I mean, at, at one point, it was like, you know, he he could run. He could yeah. run, and he can catch the vertical pushing passes. Matter of fact, he did so in, if you go back, matter of fact, for first year, first year for the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, 2017 preseason game to, uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the first one. He caught a ball down the sideline. So Tyreek Hill caught a big ball, and Chris Conley – Caught a kind of big ball as well. Don't ask me why I remember that. But he is a guy that's, that's kind of more of what his thing is. Now, is he just doing it at like a super high level? I think one team, can't think of the name of it right now, Expected him to be, you know, hey, can you can you really kind of help produce for us? But outside of that, he's just kind of been a, you know, a, hey, come in, maybe stretch the field. If not, cool, you know, feels like more of a 15 to 20 catch a year type of guy. And we'll see if he's able to stick on the 49ers. I think it'd be tough.
0: Yep, right now he's probably going to be competing with one of those 11 draft picks that the 49ers select if they do take a wide receiver in this class and uh but you know the 49ers are doing the thing where they they need to make sure that they don't have to take anything in any spot and and they have enough guys to uh you know to to work through the off season and and practice and be ready for the season no matter what happens. Covering for injuries, covering for whatever happens on draft day if they're maybe not able to get a position in a certain spot like they they plan to be able to do. On I,
1: draft. I have his stats pulled up. So
0: he, was, he ran like a four-three, didn't he? Like yeah, six so he and fast. Yeah, very he, straight he, guy.
1: He was a fast guy. Over the last two years, not getting anything out of him. He's only played nine games over the last two years. Oh no. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. That was 2022. He played on two different teams. So but he only had uh, – we played in nine games last year. That's what that is. And only had four catches. So uh, definitely not much going on there. But prior to that, there were some times where he was a little bit more productive. Had uh, 32 catches in 2018, 47 in 2019, 40 in 2020. And then it started to kind of tail off from there. So uh, he's a guy he, – he can stretch the field. Average 16 yards per catch in one season. Uh, almost 16 in another year with, with Kansas City. So, again, I don't think the 49ers are expecting much out of him, but it's a guy that can do something and bring a different element to what the 49ers have right now. And maybe he's just insurance for Danny Gray, where it's like, hey, we want Danny Gray to be able to do these things that we've seen Conley do in his career at different points. Uh Can you start to catch on, Danny? And if not, then uh we might start to kind of, Look for a more veteran option and eventually getting younger.
0: Yeah, definitely insurance, uh injury insurance. We saw it last year with was it, Marcus Johnson, and uh, there's uh, two or three veteran receivers are kind of battling for maybe the last spot on the roster and, and maybe no spots on the roster that end up being left. And I think it's a very similar situation this year. Um, Carrie Heider as well added to what's starting to be a pretty deep defensive line list, croc. I want to talk about if there's even any spots available for a rookie on the defense line because they've already got numbers at that position. And why are the 49ers so interested in tight ends? Why have they been scouting every tight end meeting with every tight end before the 2023 NFL draft, what it means and why it doesn't really mean anything for one current 49ers tight end in particular next. Today's episode of locked out 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel grand slams, no hitters. Oh yeah, it's baseball season as well as draft season. No better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com, slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And not just Major League Baseball. We've got NBA playoffs. We've got... NHL playoffs. We've got, of course, the NFL draft, tons of draft props. Uh, those are they're growing in numbers all the time. The numbers are changing all the time. Some interesting stuff happened at the top of the NFL draft right now with some of those betting odds as well. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So let me lead let me read off the list of defensive linemen currently on the 49ers roster now. After the 49ers brought back Kerry Hyder for one more run here, Croc. So here we go. The 49ers currently have 12 defensive linemen. We've got Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Drake Jackson, Cleland Farrell, Kevin Givens, T.Y. McGill, Kalia Davis, the, the red shirt rookie from last year in the sixth round, Austin Bryant. Alex Barnett and then Kerry Hyder has been added to that list recently. Uh, What I see there is more size than athleticism off the edge. So to me, if I'm looking at that list of 12 defensive linemen, first of all, some of those guys can't make the roster because the Niners only break camp with nine or 10 usually. And if you add a rookie to that as well, that means three or four of those guys aren't going to make the roster. So is defensive line a need at all for the 49ers going into the 2023 draft?
1: I I would say no, but probably for different reasons than other people. If you're telling me that they need a dominant guy opposite Nick Bosa and you're still kind of worried about that, then I do think edge rusher is a need. But if you are saying, look, you pick late in the third round, ideally you're just just likely not going to get a game changer at that position then you might as well throw as many veteran resources at that position and see what you get out of Drake Jackson. So from that standpoint, I would say no. Uh, but if you were telling me, hey, man, you got an opportunity to go get Will Anderson, I would say, well, 100% you go get that guy, right? Or even anybody else that is consider- considered a top edge rusher with very high upside. But again, those guys are being taken in the top 15 picks typically.
0: Looking at that list of names, Kroc, is there – is there a player that's less than like 270?
1: Uh, what? And
0: that's and like Jake, Drake Jackson might be the only one and we don't know what his weight is. I would assume they want him to come in lesser than less than 270, but he was 270 last year, right? A- around draft time. Right. Alex, or Austin Bryant? Is he 260?
1: Yeah, I think I think Austin Bryant, I don't think he's 270. Okay. See, a bigger defensive end. Right 250. Ends. So Austin Bryant's listed at
0: 6'5", 250. Oh, 250. Okay. So, my, like, so he's he's the lightest one. Um, but I do feel like that's probably where they might be angling in the draft. Because just looking at the defensive ends, Bosa and Drake Jackson. Then you've got Eric Armstead, who can't place him in, probably play a lot of tackle. Cleveland Farrell's a bigger end. Um, Kerry Eider is a bigger by end. By the way,
1: Farrell is listed at 265.
0: Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, he's a thick guy. I'd be surprised if he's actually 265. Maybe he is, though.
1: But again, I mean, we're we're, we're talking about his weight that he entered the NFL with. Mm. Uh, I bet his weight could fluctuate, uh, go up and down, you know, if, it never take probably, 10 pounds. And win he more.
0: probably did the combine thing that I think is more and more common, too, where you get as light as possible if you want to improve your speed, and then you run, and then you go back to your normal weight, and you don't run anymore for the rest of your life and get any more times. Right. So... Maybe I'm misreading it, but there is room for, I think, a a situational rusher, which is probably all you can hope for in the third round anyway. So that that might be what the 49ers are gearing up for here. Uh, You know, they got a ton of tackles. They've got some guys who can play outside in. Maybe some speed. Maybe some speed to compete with Drake Jackson, Austin Bryant, for one of those final roster spots along the edge.
1: Austin Bryant feels like a guy. And again, I, I don't want to, you know, make it seem like I have all these just super high expectations for him. But that, that kind of thing we've seen with 49ers defense alignments when they get under Kasirk, where it's just like, and I think he's been under Kisarg before, but mm. where they just, hey, man, this guy, like, he's playing very well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I could see him just being that guy. Where's, like, oh, there's Bryant with a sack. Oh, That's probably then, what. You know, he ends the season with six sacks. And, you know, it's like, hey, that was a pretty good production out of him.
0: I'm sure Bryant, I'm sure Cleveland Farrell, uh, that's probably why they signed with the 49ers. They, they want to get that that Kacarek bump. Maybe get paid like past, you know, one-year wonders with the 49ers have been. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. Drake Jackson's the one, though. Like, Drake Jackson's the one you're hoping steps up at defense yeah. and across from Bosa and becomes a dude in year two.
1: And And here's the thing about the NFL. If it doesn't happen for him this year, then he's going to be kind of one of these guys that's kind of ends up being like a journeyman. Cause it, like that's how it happens. You have your opportunity when you're drafted and it's like, hey, second round pick, late, late second. You know, he's one of the last picks in the second round, but second round pick, we're going to give you opportunities. But at some point you are no longer a second round pick. You are just an NFL player and you have to compete against these other NFL players. So they would like him to be able to beat guys out because, hey, we invested, you know, a certain amount of draft capital. We're we paid you some money. Uh, we want you to beat out Bryant. We want you to beat out Cleveland Farrell and Kerry Hyder. But if these guys that are pros, and you got to understand the way some of these guys are approaching the game, like they're, they take care of their families this way. These guys dudes got wives, kids. This is their livelihood, and that's how they approach it. So some of these younger guys, I don't think they understand like that. Like they, they don't grasp that concept yet because they've just been playing football like, man, you know, I've been playing all my life. But like there's grown men and that's how they take care of their family. That's how they feed their family. So you gotta be able to compete with those guys. And if you don't have the same type of approach from them, you can find yourself kind of just dwindling away a little bit and just kind of being a guy. Still being in the NFL, you'll make a little money, but not what's what the opportunity is, which we see right now. I mean, what is Nick Bosa gonna get? Right? Like it's like, dude, how do you how do you watch and not saying they're the same type of prospect. Clearly, you see where BoSA was drafted and where uh, Jack Jackson was drafted. But how do you watch Nick Bosa about to get 30 million a year, like just ridiculous amount of money and, and not say, "Man, I need to be doing everything in my power to get that like generational money to like help myself, help my family? Like we're good forever if I do that." And all I have to do is make sure that I approach the game the right way. And I think sometimes it's kind of tough uh, because real quick, one one guy, I remember uh, when I was in the NFL and this guy said, man, I've, I've never had a job. Like outside of football, I've never had a job. And I think sometimes these guys don't truly understand like what's at stake and what's at hand because it's like you go from never having a job Oh, I'm in the NFL, of course I'm here, to dang, uh, can I get on with this arena team and you ain't making the same money? Then boom, real world hits you.
0: Yeah, and then you're job hunting for the first time.
1: And then you better hope that you get uh, on Locked On Network or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And talk about your experiences that uh, didn't last very long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, and it's really interesting that you mention that too. Like, For example, someone like Kerry Hyder, He's been around the league now a little bit. He's a veteran (laughs) player. He knows this might be even his last season. But you know he's going to do it. All the right things. He's going to do everything he can to win a roster spot and get that last paycheck and play that last season and make that last roster if it is the end for him. Or maybe remember guys roster. like
1: him. If he's on the roster week one, his contract for the year is guaranteed. So that's right. what they're gunning for. It's like, look, I need right. to do. I need to be there. And you know, obviously, the 49ers know what he can bring, but that's what he's thinking about.
0: Interesting D-line, D-line room there for the San Francisco 49ers. Will they add one more, maybe even two more in the NFL draft? They will have a lot of numbers, and maybe that's the way to play this thing without high draft picks. Throw the most amount of numbers in the room and let the best 9-10 win. Next, Croc. I want to talk about the 49ers quarterback room. We just saw a massive new contract for Jalen Hurts. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. Sam Darnold, all put together, making a fraction of that and how that team is built for the 49ers with a a cheaper quarterback room. And what about the tight end position? Why are the 49ers scouting so many tight ends? Next. Thanks, everybody, once again, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all the everydayers wherever you are. Appreciate you tomorrow. We've got another Winky Wednesday episode coming. Make sure for your second lesson, you check out Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes as we get ready for draft season. Uh, so much fun here, and stay tuned later this week for the Locked On Network's Ultimate Mock Draft 2023. So are, were you surprised how much money Jalen Hurts got, Crock? Five years, two fifty-five, which means fifty-one million dollars per year. We'll see how the money ag- breaks out because clearly that was, you know, from the agent. We'll see what the the numbers actually are when people look into the contract and see if it's, you know, structured in a way that doesn't seem like that much money. But that's a lot for a guy who's had one really good season in the NFL.
1: Right. Uh, we talked about generational uh, changing amount of money, and that's definitely that. We do have a breakdown here from Adam Schefter. And 2023 is actually uh, only 6.1 million, and then after that, it starts to just become more and more. And I think there might be some like void years or something in there that uh, makes it like be more because you just look at the numbers here. I I don't see 255 million. I see uh, 6.1, 13.5, 21.7, 31.7. So I don't know where the rest of that money is. Maybe it's just maybe that's his cap hit or. I don't know it's something signing bonus. Or, those, yeah. I, I don't know how that stuff works.
0: Maybe those are the base salaries and with not including any of his uh his guarantees or his signing bonus.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I, I just think that's a lot of money, right? For somebody who he he did well the prior year, and then last year, obviously, very well. And then it's like, all right, now we got to pay you a lot of money. And, and that's tough. And at the end of the day, that's what you have to do at the quarterback position. Listen, a lot of people kind of writing off trade lance right now. Um, you know, and we'll figure out what that situation is. But let's say, hypothetically speaking, you got Brock Purdy who's saying, Hey, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to play this year, right? And we think he is, but let's say, hypothetically speaking, he doesn't play and Trey Lance just goes and balls out. Well, you, you, you kind of put yourself, a million. Here. let's go. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money because look, we're talking about Jalen Hurts, but there's some other guys that are about to get paid, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert. Right. I mean, like, you know, uh, Tua, they're going to have to pay him. He's not going to get what the other guys got. But, you know, like there's some guys from those classes that just big time money, especially Joe Burrow. He's probably going to be the highest paid player ever in in NFL history. Uh, But Trey Lance, if he just, oh, man, I have this opportunity. This guy's hurt. Can't play this year. I got a ball. He goes out there, does very well. Maybe they're just like, well, we just pick up his fifth year option. But then if he goes and then leads the team to a Super Bowl how much is it going to cost? And again, I don't, I know I'm going to get a trailers can't even get on the field, right? We're going to get all kind of pushback. I'm just listening The hypothetical uh, that we're talking right now, but you just don't know. And it's a lot of money. And it really kind of changes the way you build your team. Like what is that going to do for the Eagles down the line? doesn't look like it's going to hurt them too much this year, but you know, down the line, you know, you you start losing players and, and Jalen Hurts is going to be asked to carry a roster.
0: So this from Field Yates, now that Jalen Hurts is averaging $51 million per year, the most in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, second, $49 million per year. Kyler Murray, $46.1 million per year average. Deshaun Watson, $46 million. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had the 10-year, $450 million contract, so he's 45 per and starts to look like one of the steel contracts even though when that happened it was like what half a billion dollars 10-year contract for Patrick Mahomes and that's going to look like a steal for the Chiefs after the rest of these contracts uh keep coming in for the the latest round of of young superstar quarterbacks Josh Allen 43 million dollars per year Daniel Jones 40 million dollars per year Uh Matthew Stafford 40 million and Dak Prescott also 40 million so those three tied for seven so when you look at where the Money is going for the 49ers, not going to the quarterback position as much. Trey Lance, 8.5 million cap hit this year. Sam Darnold's a 5.1 and three and a half of that's guaranteed. And then Brock Purdy's making as cheap the 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 least amount you could make as a as a potential starting quarterback, which is 934000 dollars So less than a million. So 49ers are right around $15 million for their quarterback room. If all three of those guys do make the roster in or on the team and not traded uh this year. So that gives them an advantage to pay other guys like Bosa and Trent Williams and Kittle and and uh, Fred Warner and Traverius Ward. And everybody's getting paid on the 49ers that makes it possible. But Brock Purdy, if he turns out to be the dude, a couple years, we're going to see something crazy. If Trey Lance gets his shot, turns out to be a dude, in a couple years we're going to
1: see something crazy. So And there's no way around it either. Yeah. Right? Like there isn't any, well, let's try to take the cheap option. Like you can't. The only cheap option is to like keep drafting quarterbacks that are good enough to win with this roster. Which this roster, I mean, at some point it's gonna get old, right? And you're gonna have to try to replenish that. And that's how you see sometimes this kind of reloading or rebuilding. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way to work around this. Keep drafting guys that you feel like, hey, we could put this guy in position to win. So you had Trey Lance, and it's like, ah, and then you got Brock Purdy, it was like, okay, let's go. And then all right, Brock, like we really like you, almost like a. Uh, damn! Uh, Washington Commanders with with uh, uh Kirk Cousins. What like what they they kept stringing it along. All right, we're gonna franchise tag them yes. because it was no. like, hey, we really like you, but not enough to pay you what the market says. And he went to Minnesota, and what has he really done there? You had the 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 miracle Minnesota miracle, or whatever. But outside that. They haven't really done much with Kirk Cousins, and they played him a lot of money. So, like, were the was commanders right plan. or wrong? Or, I mean, they, I yeah. guess commanders were wrong because they haven't had a quarterback even like that good to replace mm-hmm. him. But they're not wrong in the sense of, you're really not that guy.
0: Yeah, I wonder if the 49ers accidentally stumbled upon a game plan instead of going cheap running backs and not signing them to second contracts. They're going to pay running backs and not pay quarterbacks. So maybe that's what the 49ers are going to do. They're like, let's keep doing this. We're going to the NFC championship game with every quarterback. So let's just keep going and not pay for uh, for a big-time quarterback.
1: Keep, keep swinging. Keep, keep swinging on late-round guys that can win games.
0: Last note here on today's podcast, and uh, – we had a shout out from Sydney, Australia, I believe. Let's go back and find this tweet. This is from JMCC. It says, hello from Sydney. Love the podcast. Listen to your tight end edition yesterday. What was your view, if any, on Charlie Warner coming out of college? Has the under over delivered on ability? Uh, what does he need to do or can he do to make the leap? Appreciate JMCC, John, uh, for uh, for listening to the pod all the way from Sydney, Australia. We're, we've been shouting out some of our international listeners lately and uh, this is a topic i wanted to talk about on the podcast with tight end because a lot of people when looking at tight ends for this draft and seeing that the 49ers are scouting tight ends heavily in a really good tight end class they the the ultimate conclusion is something about oh, okay um george kittle's turning 30 And this is the tight end two now, but he's going to be the future tight end one. And that's going to be the end of George Kittle. I I don't think looking for a tight end has anything to do with George Kittle right now. And certainly that could be the plan. And you get a really good player at tight end and then George Kittle's contract runs out and you, you know, or he gets hurt or whatever it is. And then you end up having a a different starting tight end that you drafted and developed. And and then, you know, that's a possibility. I could see that happening but I don't think that's necessarily the plan for the 49ers. I think the 49ers have been pretty disappointed with what they've been getting after George Kittle. And one of those is probably Charlie Warner. And they brought in a bunch of guys to compete with him last year. You know, Tyler Croft ended up being the the second tight end. And so I think it's more putting Ross Charlie Warner on notice and, and wanting to get better production out of their second tight end and having a tight end. they feel good about in the two spot, but also that can start when Kittle is injured. And here's the other part of it, croc, is once Kyle checks contract runs out, is there there's not like a lot of Kyle checks out there. So do you need your do you need to replace check not with a fullback, but basically by going more to tight end, having more of an H back type, a guy that can move around and do those things. So I wonder if it's even more about replacing check eventually with the next tight end rather than George Kittle.
1: Well, remember, Ross Dwelly came in, and there were times where Juszczyk missed some games. I think even 2019, he, he was out for a few games or so, and who filled in? It was Ross Dwelly, who did a lot of those things. So, uh, clearly, they have somewhat of a plan. I would like to see Kyle, like, throw a curveball at people, right? It's like, hey, I've been running this kind of offense with this fullback, but now I'm going to go more McVay style, where maybe some of the concepts are similar. Again, I'm not an offensive uh, guru guy, but... And coming from a similar, you know, background, McVay does it different. He runs more 11 personnel, one back, one one tight end, and he has three receivers on the field. And maybe it's more beneficial when you have a Cooper Cup out there. He makes it pretty easy for you to keep three receivers out there. But maybe Kyle's like, all right, I'm going to go three receivers set heavy. We're going to be the most uh, 3 – we're going to run the most three receiver sets in the entire NFL, kind of like how we've seen from the Rams. And all of a sudden, he kind of re vamps himself reevaluates himself right somebody asked us hey do you guys ever go back and kind of look at you know things that you hit on or didn't hit on and we had that whole conversation maybe Kyle's like hey let me go back and figure out different ways to kind of reinvent what I'm doing offensively and kind of throw a curveball at everybody who thinks they're catching on to what I'm doing so yeah, that's a pro- that's a that's something that they could potentially do but as far as the tight end thing that's their fault if, if you are banking on Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner and Croft to be, like, legit tight end twos, like, what resource did you really spend on those guys? I know you you hit, you struck on on uh, George Kittle. But if you want a legit tight end two, put some more resources into it. Go and trade. There's been guys, like, you know, that have been uh, legit guys coming out in the NFL. like T.J. Hawkinson. I'm not saying go get T.J. Hawkinson, but Vikings win got him. Right, like you know, and again, I, I it doesn't have to be to that extent, but go get a guy that's either on the market and is a big time tight end that could really help. What did the New England Patriots do? And it maybe didn't help them as much because you know, just their offensive coordinator the situation was really weird. But they said, We're gonna go get John U. Smith and uh Hunter, Hunter Henry, and right, they can like, put
0: two tight ends in the same draft, too,
1: right? Like, so if you legitimately want a tight end to something, you can put band aids over everything and go get a guy. Go get a guy that is going to legitimately be a game changer be a difference maker. And we've seen the New England Patriots do that several times. They did it with uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Uh, you know, you you've seen it with some of these other teams where it's like, Hey, we're going to really go out there and have some legit two tight end sets. And the 49ers are like, ah, well, we'll go over Ross Dwelly, even though we don't really like what we're getting, but we're managing with it. So we'll keep going with that. But heck nah, man. Like go get you a, uh, uh, a third round tight. This is a deep tight end class. Like go get you a high, stop trying to get the Charlie Warner's that. Yeah. he's not Charlie Warner was never that guy.
0: No, we, we've seen it. Yeah. To answer the Charlie Warner question. uh, he, he was never really that guy coming out. I wasn't super high on him. He was a, a try hard blocker showed some testing athleticism. So I think the 49ers were like, well, look, we found one guy who was under utilized as a passer in college and was a try hard guy and had pretty good testing numbers. And turned out to be a star in George Kittle. So let's kind of see if we can find that same sort of a vibe. A guy who's a willing blocker, who's got some athleticism. I think Charlie Warner's never really that guy. And so I think he is who he is. And uh, he hasn't even turned out to be that good of a blocker either. He's just not that physically imposing. You know, Russell, always well, has been nice, but he's your—you know—he's a tight end three type of guy. He
1: always felt like a tight end three. Yeah. Like Or, or four, right? right? Like just a guy who's kind of like, eh, can he make it? Remember there was a guy, wasn't that Carrier? 49ers had him in preseason, then he went to the Raiders and actually, like, kind of yeah, like, did.
0: yeah, he's like a bulked up
1: wide receiver. Yeah, he's like, you know, did kind of well, but like, it feels like that, where it's like, yeah, might be on your team, might not. Uh, if he's your third tight end or maybe like uh practice well or fourth tight end, like, cool. Like, like that's what it feels like Charlie Warner is. Where it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're cool, but is anybody mentioning you in any type of like legit game plan? Like, when they're game plan against the 49ers, oh, they're yeah, not no thinking about I mean. a Charlie Warner. Oh, no. So go get somebody that like they are thinking about if you if and maybe they just don't want to want want this, but if you want a legit tight end too. Now, if you don't, then all right. But the way that they're looking at this class of tight ends clearly is like, all right, let's stop messing around.
0: And it's a good tight end class to do that. And yeah. where the 49ers are drafting, we've talked a lot about this, and and we've scouted a lot of players, croc. And it's hard to find a really good edge or a really good offensive tackle. But you know what you can find in the area where the 49ers have six picks in the rounds three and round five, you can find a tight end. You can find an interior offensive lineman. You can find a safety, you know, harder to find a, you know, maybe a star corner, but you might be able to find a, a nickel type corner or um, you know, the, the positions where you don't the positions where you can find starters that don't need to be, you know, super clean from a physical standpoint or from a production standpoint And so maybe that's the direction the 49ers are going, knowing that they're not gonna be able to get a really good tackle or a really good, you know, edge player late in the third round.
1: I hate that I like kind of go in on them right there, but (laughs) because they've been so good with roster building. And if anybody like if I trust anybody like I trust this regime,
0: he's been the second best tight end over the Shanahan era. Pretty Um, easily. Charlie Warner? No, uh, I thought you said Dwelly.
1: Oh, Dwelly? Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like they're always trying to replace him. They're just trying to replace him with the wrong guys. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, we, you know, Dwelly, solid, had a game where he scored three touchdowns They called one back, so it ended up being like two touchdowns. Hey, man, he can play well, but let's replace him with Charlie Warner. <laughs>
0: like. Okay, I hate Charlie Warner.
1: No, I don't. I don't. I just don't. I just think he's just kind of there. Like, yeah. I think he's a, he's a solid football player, right? Anybody that's like, you know. He's on the team. Right now, hes you could write his name on the, on the roster with a permanent marker. Like, I feel like he's going to be there. Like, he is that type of guy. But, again, you're, you're having Tyler Croft come in and try to block legit edge rushers because of what I felt like that's what Charlie Warner was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that, that should have been him.
1: You, can, you got my quarterback hurt. <laughs> yeah, Now he got a robotic elbow.
0: Maybe <laughs> That's why they're like, all right, we, let's get another tight end here. We can't get our quarterbacks well, killed. Well, that's the
1: issue, the too. It's like, you're getting block. another tight end to just be like, hey. Go out here and block this edge rusher from the Eagles that had a hundred sacks. In this season.
0: Yeah, no big deal. Just end our, and it's just it's only going to end our season if you're if you whiff on this block. Right. No. No,
1: big deal. no, uh, no pressure.
0: <laughs> I feel like Dwelly's going to stick for a while. Dwelly's going to be like the new Dante Johnson, but on offense.
1: I can see that. Again, I said. I mean, he can I play like the fullback fullback position yeah. as well. I so I like Dwelly. Which is kind of weird too because Dwelly feels like like you know, solid, like is he a legit tight end too? I don't know, but I feel like he they kind of forget about him sometimes. Yeah. So he must be doing something wrong. He has to
0: re-earn it every single year. And like Dwelly and and Warner are NFL tight ends, you know, but they could be improved upon. I think that's what the 49ers are trying to do. All right. Thanks everybody for making locked on 49ers your first listen every day. Check out everything else the network has to offer. Locked on NFL Scouting, Locked On NFL Draft. Stay tuned for the 2023 Locked On mock draft special featuring everybody on the network including Croc and i will be back tomorrow right here locked on 49ers